Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Hey guys, happy new week. I am back today with a special guest. I've been loving these solo episodes, I'm not going to lie, but I also, to be honest, like missed the banter, like I missed the conversation. So um, this week we've got Bruno Bornstein. He's the co-founder of Influence Kit. Now, I think I was honestly living under a rock because I had truthfully never heard of them up until like a couple months ago. But we were getting ready for this giant influencer tech event that we're hosting at the end of this month. It's on the 26th and 27th of August. And, you know, we did this last year, right? Like we had great, great companies involved. But I was sort of wanting to mix it up a little bit, to be honest. Like there are some that are just tried and true tech platforms that we all know, we all love. But I sort of really wanted to introduce to you guys some that like I never heard of, maybe you've never heard of. So I asked a bunch of people, I was like, what are you guys using that like is not so well known? And a few people were like, have you heard of Influence Kit? And I hadn't. I'm just being completely real with you guys. So um, I reached out and I was like, I'd love to chat with you guys. I've gotten a demo of their product in preparation for this event. Um, And I was like, you guys have to share your product with everybody because I don't know how it flew under the radar. And look, like not every great company is going to be on everybody's radar. But I want to do my best to bring you guys some of the cool tools that like are maybe flying under the radar. In my opinion, Influence Kit is totally one of those tools. So Influence Kit, they're a tool that makes reporting wildly easy for brands and for influencers. Um, It's a complete toolkit. It's going to help influencers plan, collaborate, and report on their digital content. But of course, on the influencer marketer side, oh my God, is that not a pain point when you are constantly hunting down the analytics to close up and wrap a campaign? And like you want, you need those things from my influencers and (laughs) they're like, I'm just going to share my content with you. I'm going to post it and I'm going to ghost it. And I'm like, why are you, where are you? So some of you have combated that, of course, by um, including a, a clause in your contract that says you will not get paid unless we get your analytics Pro tip, if you haven't done that yet, go do that now. Put that clause in your contract. But in addition, the process is a little bit of a nightmare, let's be honest. Most of us dread that part of the partnership where you're just like collecting screenshots and hunting people down because people have kind of moved on to the next. And um, the end of a campaign is just as important as every other part of that same campaign, in my opinion. I also think it's really cool that they're really focused on the influencers themselves. Um, I know so many influencer marketers are the ones who tune into this podcast and will tune into this event. But 
I think it's incredible because they're really focused on the influencers them too and sort of saying like, look, y'all, I am arming you with all this data and insights into your own partnership. Like use this to justify your rates. Use this to, you know, glean insights into how your content is performing. I think it's a pretty unique message, um, which is crazy. (laughs) The message being, of course, that like data and analytics are important to everybody, (laughs) but they are. You hear me preach it on the show all of the time. So anyways, I just wanted to invite them on and like personally just get to know them a little bit better. And in the meantime, like have you get to know them a little bit better? Um, Bruno, who comes on the show today, he's got a really interesting background. Like he comes from the world of blogging. He's also a coder um, and he co-founded Influence kit with uh, Chris Tuttle, who is also demoing the product if you tune into our live demos on uh, August 26th and 27th. So anyways, um, you're going to get to know him, get to know the tool a little bit, and we just should chat about stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, go ahead and check out our website, iamwim.com. That's iamwim, double I-M.com. If you're interested in checking out our collective membership, we've got mentorship, we've got networking, and so, so, so much more. So um, check out the collective. And if you enjoy this conversation, um, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, any little bit help. So, so grateful that you support small businesses, women in business and our industry as a whole. All right, guys, enjoy this episode. All right, Bruno. So I am so excited to welcome you to the WIM podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, same. Um, you know, I am excited to also bring somebody who is enthusiastic as I am about like the tech space and this really cool intersection between like creativity and influencer marketing, but also like on the tech side and just like appreciates that side of things. Like we're a rare breed. (laughs) And I'm like excited to sort of dive into that stuff a little bit with you today. But before we do, I'd love for you just in your own words to just share a little bit about your journey to influencer marketing in the first place. Sure. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned rare breed. I did a podcast earlier this year and the unbeknownst to me, the host introduced me as a unicorn, which was like a really cool feeling. And, but I feel weird repeating that, but, um, you know, I do have like a a funny mix of, um, skills and background. I, I went to school and studied journalism. Then I worked in PR for a while. Uh, and then I started my own blog way back in 2006. Um, and so I, I spent a really long time just, you know, blogging and creating content. Um, we had a team of, of writers that worked on that site. So, really like a lot of familiarity with like that side of things and then transitioned uh, into what I'm doing now, which is influence kit, um, which is a tool that helps brands and influencers do reporting more easily. So um, I'm the technical co-founder of influence kit. So I'm also the guy who builds and writes all the code. So, um, I mean, if that makes me a unicorn, I guess I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) It does. It does make you a unicorn. I don't meet people like you a lot. Um, You know, the people that we've had on this show certainly don't have the technical background, but like people know and I geek out on this show. Like, I love that shit. I think it's so interesting. How, like, where, tell us, like, further back into your background, you know, like, where did you learn the technical side of stuff? Like, how did you get into blogging in the first place? And then PR, like, give us more yeah. details. Yeah, I mean, so, um, 
you know, I learned how to build websites because I had friends that were in bands and, and somebody was like, can you make me a website? So that's like, and I learned how to code, you know, when you could just view source on other people's web pages and that's pretty much how you learn to do things. Um, things have changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years. So it's, it's not that simple anymore, but it used to be, if you wanted to learn how to do something, you would just click view source and, and pick apart the HTML and figure out how it worked. So I kind of taught myself to code that way. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the blogging thing started because my wife and I had bought our first house and we were in the middle of just like doing all these ridiculous renovations. You know, we were young and we didn't really know what we were doing. So we just started, we, we just started blogging about it and writing about it. And that was Kerbley. That's the name of my site. Um, it started with really that focus, but then we kind of expanded and hired other people and started, you know, talking about other topics, you know, kind of expanding our, our reach. But, um, you know, I just really enjoyed the intersection that, that blogging gave me because um, in any given week, like one day I might be building something like woodworking or like tearing out my ceiling and putting it back together. But then the next day I'm like editing a video or, you know, writing code if I, you know, cause I, I built our site. So um, it was cool. It, like it really allowed me to flex a lot of different muscles and, and be creative in a lot of different ways, uh, which I really enjoyed. I mean, I can totally relate to that, right? And and just like create like architecting that as your reality, because not mm -hmm. a lot of people can say that. They're, in fact, I feel like it's actually the opposite in so many instances where people are saying like, just focus, focus on one thing. And <laughs> I've had a very similar experience as you. Like I've always said, I'm like undiagnosed ADHD or like yeah, ADD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know, I just enjoy like dabbling in different areas. It sounds like you do too. Do you feel like you should have focused on one thing or the other? Or do you feel like this is sort of a, like a superpower that you've got? Yeah. I mean, you know, like the quote you always hear is the Jeff Bezos quote. He says like, put more wood behind fewer arrows, which sounds totally good. And I like, yes, he's obviously he's Jeff Bezos, so he must be right. But like, if it's not your personality and that's not who you are, that might not work for you. So, you know, I, I do think focus is really important, obviously. And, um, and you can, you can get a lot done if you can find ways of disciplining yourself and focusing. But on the other hand, it's not, it's just not for everybody. Some people just, they need change and they need, you know, change of context. Um, and I think I'm one of those people, you know, I just, I need to be able to like switch into different gears. So you, you kind of have to just, you know, a lot of it is it's, it's more about like knowing who you are and knowing what works for you rather than just taking some advice that is out there and saying, and like forcing yourself to, to try to follow that. So um, should I have focused more? I mean, I have, you know, when I started working on influence kit, I did stop, um, all the blogging stuff eventually, because I realized that, you know, after 10 years of having done that, I was kind of ready for a change and influence kit gave me a great opportunity to like, just jump into a, a new boat without really missing a beat. So, um, so that was important, but you know, like, like we were just saying before the call started, you know, I was down in the basement tearing out concrete over the weekend. So I still find like lots of ways of keeping myself, my brain, you know, entertained, I guess. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm a firm believer that each of those things informs the other too. Like they're not so siloed anyway. And even just totally. like taking a weekend to dig up some, you know, a part of your basement and do something like that might give you the 
creative space in your brain that you needed for something to click in terms of influence, kid. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. Well, but I, I mean, actually, that's that's totally true. And I've, I've actually written about this, but you know, um, influence kit, you know, really came out of a side project that that was kind of like a distraction for a long time. You know, so um, it, I think it is true that if you allow yourself to have side projects and hobbies and other things, like you never know what those are going to turn into down the line. Um, so I'm always supportive of people having, you know, a couple other things going on because you never know when five years from now, you may be doing something and, and reach back, like in my case, into some code that you wrote five years ago that you didn't really have a use for. And now suddenly it's, it's helping you with something. So totally relate to that built a whole business off of a side project so i am down with it i'd also love to speak with you like i always like to get people's opinions just on the industry in general like you've been in it for such a long time so i appreciate your perspective like you've seen it change a lot over so many years from being in it what are the like what are the best things you think that um you're seeing in influencer marketing right now? And what are some of the things that you're like, I really wish this would change, evolve, or maybe even yeah. go away? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. I started, I think we did our first sponsored post, which is what we kind of used to call it um, for Curbly in 2009. So that was like, you know, there wasn't even really a term for what we were doing. Um, so it has changed a lot. You know, it's a, it's kind of a tricky um, industry, it gets a lot of, um, it gets no, you know, uh, no respect. <laughs> like it, it, it has almost become derogatory in some words to say I'm an influencer or I do influencer marketing. And, and that's too bad because my experience with it from where I have been, it has been that like the people doing this are amazing. You know, the people I know who are blogging and writing recipes and doing DIY videos on YouTube and, like they're incredible people. They're really, really passionate. They're really, really creative. Um, they're a lot of them are really great business men and women. And, um, and, and they do it because they want to support a lifestyle that works for them. You know, they want to be with their family or they want to, like in my case, they like want to get their hands dirty every once in a while. And so these people have like gone out over the last 10 years and created the creator economy, like the, the, this, this thing that exists, like, it's not like Google came in and said like, Oh, there will be this thing. This was like moms and food bloggers and fashion bloggers who like built this industry, like made it possible. Um, and I think that's just amazing. Like it's really, really cool. And the people that I know who are in it are just amazing people. Um, and likewise, there's some really great brands out there who ha- who like understood that early on and understood that there was a great potential for a partnership there that, that made sense. And that was a better way of reaching people than what was there before. Um, So I think there's a lot of good there. It's kind of like my roundabout way of saying it. Like, I think there is a ton of goodness in, in what we're doing. There's also some, some hard stuff and some, some bad stuff. There's a lot of just like, you know, flaky viral video type stuff, you know, TikTok, I, I kind of like to hate on TikTok a little bit. I mean, I love TikTok. It's really cool. But there's also a lot of stuff on there that, you know, there's just, I don't see the real, like, long-term value. You know, it might just be like a quick hit, you know, something that gets a lot of attention for some reason. But like, as a brand, you're not really brand building when you do that. You know, you're just kind of getting your your name out there on some viral video. And I just don't think that that's the way to do it or or 
or maybe another way of saying that is like, that's just not the side of the industry that I really get excited about. So like I try to steer clear of that stuff and, and maybe that works for some brands, but I'm just not, that just doesn't get me excited. You know, I'm looking for the side of it where it's influencers who are really creating amazing, informative content, who really understand the brands that they're working with, who can really provide value like over a long period of time, brands who really like want to build relationships with influencers rather than just like getting something from them. You know, like it's not just we'll pay you money. You do an Instagram post. Like that's not really a relationship. That's just a transaction. So at Influence Kit, we're really trying to build a tool that helps foster that side. The like, let's build a strong relationship. Been working with you for three years. I know everything about how your brand works. I know the lady who names the colors, you know, of the paint. You know, this is a real example. Like I met the woman who names the colors at Sherwin-Williams because we worked with that brand for so long. Um, so like those, those are, I think are really cool, productive relationships. And, and I want to see more of that kind of thing. And you bring up such a great point. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who disagrees with you on that front, except like I love TikTok, but like it sounds like you do too. It's just there's little things on it, right? And I and I think I get your sentiment, which is that it it maybe it's like the bottom of the funnel, but like the broad stroke of influencer marketing is so much more relationship based, so much right. more long term, so much like it has so much potential. So like, let's focus on on that more. Um, but I, I, I think that it's a huge problem that I think it's really cool that you guys are trying to solve. Because again, like you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who disagrees with you, but they yeah. run into the struggle of like, I agree with you, Bruno, but like, how do I do that? I'm trying to like do all of this at scale and I'm having difficulty um, managing it all. And so like, I want to hear more about Influence Kit and sort of like, what would you say are like the biggest problems that Influence Kit is looking to help solve? Well, so I mean, number one, the biggest problem we solve is reporting. So we make reporting easy for brands and influencers. And I really want to just like emphasize the and influencers side of that because it's really important to us. Um, too often, I think reporting is looked at as like something that the brand or the agency needs to do or needs to worry about. And the influencer either doesn't care or like views it as this chore or there's really no benefit in doing it for them. And part of the reason why reporting is difficult in influencer marketing is if you're an influencer and there's not really any benefit to you to doing the reporting, then uh, it's going to be hard to motivate you to do it. So we make it easy for both sides. We want to make it really easy for the brand to do reporting. We also want to make it really easy for the influencer to, to give the brand that reporting and to, um, to view that report themselves. Uh, we're one of the few tools out there that actually helps the influencer look at the report because uh, we think it's just as important for the content creator to see the reporting as it is for the person who paid for that content to get made. Um, so that's really the, the first thing that we solve. Our tool is a little bit split into two sides. So we've got part of our tool that's really focused on influencers and it's got like an editorial calendar, task management, you know, reporting, a lightweight CRM, all these tools that are really geared at helping influencers do their job better. Like just from our years of, of doing that job and being pretty successful at it, saying like, this is the right way to do it. And if you want to be grow your business as an influencer, like here are a bunch of tools that will help you. And then there's the brand and agency side, um, which is a little bit of like a mirror image. And it's just like, how do you set up your campaigns with influencers? How do you communicate 
the requirements, the deadlines? How do you get all the information back and forth really smoothly and easily? And then how do you get a report at the end of the day? That actually means something, you know, because there's reports out there that, you know, you, you have to be a data scientist to understand like what's going on there. And, you know, that just doesn't work for most brands. So our reports are really meant to be simple um, and really easily digestible so that you can kind of at a glance, get a sense for how did we do here? What worked? And then communicate that to somebody at the chain. Cause most of the time that's what you're going to have to do. Well, and that's so key because with all of this stuff, like, you always, of course, want to collect as much data as you can, but like, it's also what you do with that data. Because if it just sits around and you do nothing with it, then what's right. the point? Right. But like, in order to do that, you're dealing with a lot of like creatives or essentially like just people who aren't data scientists. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so the only way for them to do something actionable, meaningful with that data is to be able to have them fully understand it and have it be like, have ease of access to it. I think that's awesome that you guys are also focused on the creators as well. It's something that's really important to us here at WIM personally as like a women's focused organization. So we talk yeah. about like, yeah. you know, women like not necessarily diving into like all of the nitty gritty of their individual businesses and like the, the necessity to really take the reins and like own your business and like treat it as such. Right. And yeah. so like in yeah. order to do that, you're going to have to go outside of your comfort zone. In a lot of instances, very few influencers have any sort of knowledge in like data and analytics yet on a regular basis, if they're doing well on the creative side, they're being asked to be a part of all these par partnerships and contractually required to provide all those data. Totally. I mean, listen, I, I remember, <laughs> you know, I remember like the first time that I sold an ad on Kerbly and the brand was like, you know, what's the CPM? And I had to like Google, like, what does CPM stand for? I mean, there's a lot of jargon in, the, in this industry. It's hard to know a lot of times what numbers you're actually being asked for. You know, the, I would say the number one thing I hear from, from influencers when I talk to them is that they are, they don't have confidence. Like they are uncomfortable negotiating with a brand. They don't really understand their own value. Um, they have a hard time asking for what they're worth, you know, and, and I do think it's, it, you know, at the risk of making it like too gendered, it is an industry that is really dominated by women, uh, at least in, in some of the niches that we, that we work in. Uh, and, you know, look at our website, like you, as a, as a blogger, you, you get no, no respect for that. You know, like you're, you're a mommy blogger, you're a fashion influencer. Like these are all, you know, negative or derogatory ways. You're, you know, you have a lifestyle business, but, but we don't look at it that way. Like we, we look at it as like, you are an amazing content creator. You are like, you're probably a top-notch photographer, writer, uh, salesperson. You're really organized. You're also like taking care of your kids in many cases. So we view that as our target, like constituency on the influencer side. And so, yeah, it is really important to help those women feel empowered. Like, so that when a brand comes to them and says, well, what's, what is your CPE going to be on this campaign? You're not just like, uh, you can actually go to influence kit, look up your last three campaigns. It'll tell you your CPE right there. And you can say, well, actually it's going to be around this. Um, or if a brand comes to you and says, well, we want to give you granola for, you know, for Instagram stories, you can say, well, you know, actually this is my business and I have to charge for what I'm doing. Brands understand that, you know, like I, I talk to a lot of the brand people too, like they really appreciate 
when they have a content creator who's just like able to say like, this is, I have to, I have to make money and this is why. And I'm going to provide you with the evidence of like the service and the value that I'm providing for you. And that's so key. I mean, that's what everybody's looking to prove. Like everyone is looking for, if we could sum it up in my, like in, in a few words, I feel like it's like, everyone's just looking to prove their rock star status, right? Like everyone's looking, everyone wants to look so good to whoever they report to, like the brand, the, the agency folks looking to report to their brands, uh, you know, the influencers looking to report to whoever hired them. I mean, everybody. And so that's exactly what it is. Like they have to have the tools at their fingertips and like, outsource it to you guys, you know, like outsource it to be able to just say like, I'm going to pull it up. And I love that what you're talking about too, is like in the process of negotiating rates, we talk about this all the time, right? Like you and I know, it sounds like we really, really respect influencers and what they do. Um, but in a lot of instances, like I hear people talk about conversations all the time, like, oh, influencers, they're outpricing themselves, like influencers, they're, you know, overcharging. And I'm like, no, I just don't think they're providing you the right insights to be able to quantify why they're charging what they are. Um, And so to be able to put like verbs and sentences and like numbers and data and analytics behind it, like that really is going to change the game. I was literally on a conversation earlier on Clubhouse about like, you know, the title of the room was something like, you know, we're not like, don't accept any gifting partnerships anymore. Everything must be paid, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that's like a whole, that's like a, a whole conversation. I, 98% 98% agree with that. There are yeah. certain instances in which there is other value exchange that isn't necessarily totally. monetary, depending yeah. on sort of where you are in your career. But I don't know. I just appreciate the heck out of you guys. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I think, um, you know, the same thing applies on the brand side, right? Like a lot of these brands, like, you know, I, I think there's some misconceptions on the influencer side. Like they think like, because you're a brand that I've seen in the grocery store, Therefore you must have a billion dollars and, or, you know, you must have all this money. And it's not true. Like we talk to these brands all the time. Many of them are pretty small. They're small businesses. Um, They don't have these huge unlimited marketing budgets. They have to be very careful with what they spend and they have to be smart. They have to show some results for what they're doing. Um, So, you know, are influencers outpricing themselves? You know, I think that that probably does happen um, and that's out there, but I think it might also be a question of, like what you said, just not, not showing the value that they delivered. Like if you're charging this much, but you're only showing this much value, but you actually delivered this much value, like you're not really on, you know, overcharging. Um, so I think that that is what, what we're all about is, is let's make that relationship stronger so that the influencer has an easier time showing the brand so that the brand has an easier time understanding what they're really getting for their, their limited, you know, marketing budgets in many cases. And, and so like what, data points or like what what are what do you think is like the most important thing for somebody to look at like let's say they are like very new to influencer marketing um you know as a brand right mm-hmm. and they're like i mean i hear so much about this it's long overdue that i get involved and 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 hire influencers to promote my product yeah. but like I I don't even know what insights are most important. Like, where do I even start? What would you tell them or maybe some of the areas to look into first? Yeah, I mean, so I think first is to try to get an understanding of what influencer marketing really is. Um, so, 
you're not when you when you're working with influencers, it's not uh, Google ads. You're not just like buying an ad on their website, and it's not affiliate. You know, you're not just giving. They're they're not just your salesperson. Those are other you know uh, totally legitimate tactics that you can execute either instead of or alongside your influencer marketing strategy. That's great. You know, but um, just to understand what it really does, in in my view, it's really about building your brand. It's about like telling a story about your brand and, and, and helping to shape the perception of, of what does your brand mean to people. So if you are, if that's not important to you, then you probably shouldn't be doing influencer marketing. Like if it doesn't really matter to you, because, you know, maybe you're, um, I don't know, maybe you're just a brand where like the brand dif- differentiation just doesn't matter that much. People are just going to decide purely on price or something like that. I don't know then maybe it's, it's fine. You just, you should do some other tactics. Um, but if you're in a category where it really does matter what people think about your brand and you really are trying to get people to identify with, you know, your values and what your brand means, then influencer marketing can be a really good tool for that. Um, I think that, you know, then, then you start drilling down into like, okay, we know kind of what influencer marketing should do, which is help us build our brand and tell a story about our brand. But then like, what are we actually trying to do on this specific execution? Is it, is this just about awareness? Like, are we just trying to get as many people to hear the name, you know, influence kit as possible, or are we more interested in, in conveying like a particular message or, or engaging with people? So that's how I think you start to pick out what are the metrics that you're actually going to look at to tell you whether you did a good job. So, you know, for influence kit, our, all of our reports show impressions, views, and engagements. Impressions is like, a billboard. You're like a hundred thousand people drove by the billboard. Awesome. That's, that could be good if you're, if, if that was your goal, but it doesn't mean that they actually looked at the billboard and they might've been like, you know, doing their makeup in the car or something like that. And then views is like the next step down. That's like, they actually looked at the thing. They read a blog post, they um, clicked play on a YouTube video, that sort of thing. So now, you know, okay, this many people actually started to interact and see the content that we that we put out there. And then engagements is like, that's the top. That's this many people actually liked or commented or shared or, or took some kind of meaningful action to engage with your content. Um, I think those give you some levers that you can start to like pull on to understand, to have a better understanding of, of what your campaign did. You know, you may have had like super, super high engagement, but, but not very, very high impressions. So like, okay, that's good, but you just didn't reach all that many people. So now you can start making decisions about what you want to do going forward. You know, maybe we, okay, we actually just want to reach more people. We need to work with an influencer who just has a much bigger audience. I think it like to put, to share my experience with it. I think it's like the ease of access to get all of those, the data and insights that you're looking for, right. That Mm -hmm. are like requested regularly on pretty much every single campaign. Um, And I, I just, I love it too. And I, 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 mentioned this earlier, I just think it's so key that you guys are also empowering the influencers at the same time. Um, And, and I don't know, I just think that with any company, it's so important to like, align yourselves with a company that has like a similar vision for how you operate in the world. And I just think that's a really special thing that you guys are focused on and makes sense since your backgrounds, you know, you've, you've done it. Yeah. We are our own first customers for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the best. Um, And then 
So we end every episode <laughs> with um, a list of um, get to know you questions. Okay. Um, definitely feel like we got to know you quite a bit. Um, and I appreciate that. Definitely got to know Influence Kit a little bit. And, you know, we're going to enjoy the heck out of your um, out of your demo during our upcoming uh, demo event showcase. But I also want to get to know you a little bit more. So um, without further ado, <laughs> I'm going to ask you some get to know you she questions. She did not warn me you. that she was going to do this. Okay. I, so I did not. She's like totally <laughs> off the cuff I, here. I did not. Perfect. That's what we hope that it could be. Um, so I'm going to ask you a few questions and just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. So uh, first question, finish this sentence. My life changed when? <laughs> when my daughter, my first kid was born, <laughs> my life changed overnight. <laughs> How old is she now? She is 12. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. And she's been I at camp that. for the last two weeks, yeah. you know, totally out of communication. So we have no idea. I mean, you know, I'm sure she's fine, but we're just really? like, hopefully she comes home. <laughs> what kind of camp is she at? Just like a it's, general summer camp? No, right? it's like a wilderness trail camp. She's like out in the wilderness in a canoe for like 10 days. Oh my God. She's yeah. going to come back and be like, I don't want to go back to school. Yeah, that was the yeah, best yeah. experience ever. <laughs> um, my next question. Um, uh, what advice would you give to others who want to follow in your footsteps? Whew, man, it's weird to think about, you know, if anybody following in my footsteps, but I would say, um, you know, one piece of advice I think is really useful is when in doubt start. That's one that somebody told me a long time ago. So, you know, you've oftentimes find yourself in these situations where you're like, you're not sure and there's a million options and it's not clear what the best thing to do is. And, you you know, it's easy to get kind of bogged down, uh, you know, researching things or just kind of going around in circles. I just think it's good to keep that in mind. When in doubt, get started. You know, you'll, you'll build the plane as you're flying it. That's kind of how most businesses are meant to, to, to grow. Um, and, and you'll figure it out as you go. That's such good advice. That's so good. Um, what is your favorite social media app? Lately, actually, it's Twitter, believe it or not. Um, I was not on Twitter for like 10 years and had no interest in Twitter. But now I have like a really good um, like list of a small list of people that I follow and I ignore like all the noise and stuff. And I just have like a few people and I feel like that really like I, I see everything I need to see, whether it's articles or new software things that are coming out. Like it's a nice curated feed of things that I actually care about. Every individual feed needs to be like perfectly curated. Like that's the key, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and last but not least, uh, what is your favorite vacation spot? Ooh, uh, Encinitas, California is probably my favorite spot right now. We spent three months there this um, winter. It was amazing. It's like a little bubble where it's always 72 degrees and like low humidity. And uh, I could learn, I learned to surf, which was really cool. So it's a very, very cool little town. It's a little beach town north of San Diego. 
That's awesome. That's good to know. So if anyone's looking for a really cool spot in California or yeah. like a road trip, yep. that's the place to be. Um, Bruno, thank you so much for joining us today. It's cool to get to know you, get to know your product, get to know your backgrounds, all that good stuff. So thank you. Um, if any of our listeners or anyone watching on YouTube wants to get in touch with you and just connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? You know, Bruno at influencekit.com is the best way. I check that all the time. So feel free to reach reach out to me with any questions or feedback. Awesome. Or just to say hello. We're all about connections yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Bruno's a cool guy. I can vouch. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we could ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart.